fucking die to get three points. And they're here. I wouldn't even let them on the bus after the match. I get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> it's a fact. I'm not playing mind games. I'm talking about facts. He can't take it, can he? He can't take it. He just can't take it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>Welcome to the Playing Offside podcast, the podcast that takes the debate from the group chat to the podcast world for all to hear some of our good, bad and sometimes truly woeful opinions in the world of football. You may have noticed a change of voice this week with myself, Lewis, taking charge as we'll be doing our best to continue this podcast. So I'm joined this week by Josh and James. How are we doing, boys? Okay, all good. I'm not going to lie, I'm quite disappointed that you're host, but... Yeah, yeah, I can understand, but... uh, Where's Crocky at? (laughs) Bring back Dino. (laughs) Crockley <laughs> would do a killer job. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm afraid we've got me for for this week, boys. So, uh... how much are you looking forward to testing yourself? Then a step up, a couple of steps up when you play for Tottenham next season. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to the challenge. Um, obviously, being at MK my whole life is um, it's going to be a good big step for me. But I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm going to keep fighting for my place there and see how well I can do. As uh, as we go on to our weekly roundup uh so the january window has closed as of today uh what seems to have been a very quiet month of incomings there's been a decent number of outgoings the biggest probably seeing messi Özil leave arsenal to turkish side fenerbahce there's been some permanent signings though most notably west ham signing ben rama and martin odegaard being loaned to arsenal from real madrid josh who's the best january signing you have seen in this window not the most expensive or like probably the best player that I've seen like move to the Premier League, but um, I've gone for Robert Snodgrass. Oh, for my moving God. To West Brom, moving from West Ham to West Brom because I think it's like the perfect kind of player with experience that could help Big Sam and West Brom out, like you know, try and maybe pick up some points and avoid the drop, whether it'll work or not, I don't know, but. That is that is who I picked, who stood out to me. So obviously, obviously I've else. been a fan of Robert Snodgrass from his time at West Ham. Um, would love to have kept him, but I can see why uh, he does uh, favour Big Sam. Uh, but what is it exactly that makes him shine uh, compared to the other transfers in January? It's just like, you know what you're getting from him. It's where, like, obviously you could argue Ben Rama going to West Ham on a permanent like and he's he's played he's not played loads for West Ham has he but he's played a decent amount and he looks good every time he plays but I just think Snodgrass like he's literally just probably something that they're missing is that experience that West Brom need and I think it's just smart business in the window can't argue that to be fair I mean I'll rate the player so yeah that's that's a good choice good choice in normal January transfer window fashion, we see out-of-favour players get given the chance to shine at other clubs for the remainder of the season. Most notably this month, Jesse Lingard to West Ham. Boys are said to be a massive fan of the former England international and be looking to help him not only get back in the first team, but maybe even compete for a place in Southgate's European squad. James, what has Lingard got to do to reignite his career and create that spark we once saw in him? Um probably learn how to play football for a start um it's a bit of a weird signing 
really fitting for West Ham, to be honest. I don't really know why they've signed him. Like, I get you'd want competition for the team, but I, I've never really thought he's that good. He had his moments for Man United, but he never really looked amazing. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't think he should go near it. I don't think he could do anything to get near the England side, especially with how many like attacking midfielders that we've got ahead of him. The thing that I see of this signing is that he's still going to have competition like he's had at Man United. So he's not going to fit straight into that starting lineup. We've got Bowen, Yarmolenko, uh, Fornells, uh, all them different kind of uh, people that can play on the wings. Um, so Lingard still has competition. Um, how is he just going to, how is he going to get over there? Can, will he be a cup player, player to play in the cup and come off the bench? Or do you reckon he will start in a, in a starting 11 in a game? I I can't I can't see him starting. Like what what formation do you play? I've kind of forgotten. Uh, four two three one. You play four. Who, so who sits behind a striker? So we've got uh, so it'd be Antonio up front. You know, yeah, Lan, uh, no, he was on the bench. Ben Rahm on the left, Alan on the right, and Fournals behind the striker. Is he going to knock Fournals out? No, I don't think he's near good enough to knock Fournals out. And I don't, I don't think Fornells is amazing. I just, I don't think he's got that creativity to knock someone like Fornells out. And I don't, I don't really see what he offers you. Yeah. I'd much rather Lanzini come on than him. Yeah, the one, yeah, that's the thing. I, I think for me, uh, Moyes, I've been very trustworthy in his signings this season. So I'm going to see, see how this plays out. But I, I don't really know. I can't. The thing is, the fact that we haven't got any other strikers, is he going to? Is he gonna play Lingard up front? Um I mean That's I'd... what I mean. Like if I'd if I'd sign anyone, it'd be a striker. Like why why have they brought in someone that has really only played attacking midfielder? I don't understand it. I think it's gonna be a sign and it's just gonna to have to try and prove himself. So Lastly, this week in football has once again been let down by the disgusting racism in the game. Marcus Rashford, Reese James and West Brom's Romain Sawyer's been on the receiving end. This isn't something we haven't seen before and it certainly won't be the last. Lads, what has to be done or what measures should be taken to tackle this? It's just, it's just disgusting. I don't understand why it still happens. And there's not even fans in the ground this time. It's still, and it, not saying that that's an excuse for it before, but like it's still happening now when there's no fans there. And there's even with the massive disconnect, it's still happening, and it's just, it's just, it's horrible to see, and it's, it's just infuriating to see, like, that people should just be punished. I think. Yeah, the problem we have with this is that, uh, I mean, for social media, people uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, it's, it's easy for people to say all these things, and obviously and they can get away with it um and it's even um it's just they can i feel like the abuse is is getting worse uh social media doesn't help play a part um i think ian wright summed up best uh in his match of the day interview when he says that if if it's simple enough for these social media networks to listen to your conversations and put adverts in front of your face on the on the mobile phones why is it why can't it be easier to uh, find these people and, and battle the well battle the uh, I, 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 I think you're exactly right I mean 
social media sites like Twitter and Facebook have shown recently that they're willing to ban people for life like they did with Donald Trump when he was like inciting violence in America with the Capitol building thing. Why can't they do that with um, people being racist? I, the, the problem that you've always got is racism isn't just a football thing. It's a societal problem. And I think social media needs to be the place that starts cracking down on it because if people are getting banned from their favourite sites for life, they're going to start to realise, oh, look, I'm maybe I'm wrong. I shouldn't be saying stuff like this. I shouldn't be believing this kind of stuff. People think that like no one gets affected, but in reality, it affects people's lives. And to be honest, just saying stuff like that, like you should you just get rid of them, <laughs> get them off the site, give them lifetime bans from their teams. They're not going to get to see the football, take away the things that they actually want and they'll stop doing it. It's, it's just ridiculous. I think, uh, yeah, going back into the football aspect of it as well, I think we need to start seeing crackdowns from um, football associations as well. We've seen uh, places like the FA uh, give harsher fines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Fran, uh, I think it was Fran Kirby, the women's Chelsea striker, she put out a really solid tweet saying that like, it can just be easily done by making every social media account verified like they do with the celebrities and stuff just do it like that just like i don't know scan your id or something to create the account and that way social media do know your details because let's be honest like social media knows all your privacy details anyway because that's why we accept cookies so they'd know that anyway and then if something like this does happen then it's so easy to track that's when obviously all the racist abuse started happening. And obviously they were doing the monkey signs towards me as well, as, a, as I'm looking at them. After that happened, as soon as I got the ball, all about three and a half thousand fans just booing me every single second. The first time it happened, it went straight through me. And like, like, just tingles went down my spine. And I lost the ball. I think I gave it like it was like a goal kick. I ended up giving away when I could have held it in the corner. I feel like I'm getting booed because I'm black now. Like, I just got racially abused on the side, and because we reacted to it, now I'm getting booed. And I felt like I was in a different country. Like I wasn't even in England. Then. On a more lighter note, yep. now we've now got to the halfway point of the season in what proves to be a pretty crazy uh, few, last few months. With so many clubs being in the mix for the title, top four and Europa League spots. With surprise package, West Ham closing in on the top four. I mean, it's not that surprising, but we'll go with it. Um, so here at the Playing Offside podcast, we're going to pick off team of the season so far. Picking a start 11, keeping to the traditional 4-3-3 formation that we saw at the end of our end of season episode last season. So we start with the man that leads the team out, the manager. So I'm going to start this one off, and uh, I think I'm just going to have to go with uh, Brendan Rodgers on this one. I think what he's done with the Leicester team has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think he's so underrated as manager. And um, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> unfortunate Leeds result on the week on the weekend. But um, if you rule that out, I think what he's done with the team, the players he's got. Um, the, the whole network of the club from top to bottom is absolutely uh, unbelievable uh, in terms of management. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. And I think Brendan Rodgers has showed uh, his talent this season. And I think so far he, he's going to be, he's going to have to be the manager of the season. I would have gone for David Moyes, but um, 
I'm going to be a bit humble on this one and go for the Leicester City manager. Surprised by that one. I say that. I, just, I, I personally, I would have gone for Solskjaer. What? I think that man got so much stick and look where they are. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I think they've been very lucky to get where they are. Um, I think the team performances, um, I don't think they've actually blown, haven't had a performance which has blown people away, I think. I think, um, yes, obviously they were competing for the title at one point, which was about a week or two. Um, I don't know, I think they've been very lucky to get where they are personally. But we will go on to you next, Josh. And we'll be starting with the goalkeeper. So it could be an easy pick to pick the keeper with the most clean sheets. But on that note, who do you think has been the best keeper this season so far? Yeah, so like you said about the clean sheets, I haven't gone for Edison, but um, I've gone for a goalkeeper that I think is like a really good shot stopper, has had the best impact and has kept the, the team in games and in decisive moments. And I've gone for... Um, Aston Villa's Martinez because I think he's been absolutely outstanding this season for them. I think he's rescued so many points for them, like even just a draw, like he's rescued them so many times. So yeah, he's he's been my number one keeper this season. Yeah, and he's I also can... my keeper in my fantasy. <laughs> I can see why you've gone for him. He's he's had a um, I think he's got one of the best uh, save uh, ratios in the game, uh, better than Edison and Allison as far as. Well, from last week, anyway. Um, James, what, what do you think of that decision? I think an easy decision. It was the same person I'd have picked. Um, turned them around. He's been a fantastic signing, and he's just no one expected Villa to be decent this year, and they've kept a lot of clean sheets. And it's, I think it's down to him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Josh, do you reckon the twenty million is a is a bargain for what they've got now? Well, considering that they were just avoided relegation and now they're fighting for, a, like, pushing for a Europa League spot, like, that's bloody money well spent, I think. Yeah, 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 definitely agree on that one. So we're going to go to our back line and we're going to start with the left back. What are we saying, James? Uh, this was a really easy choice for me this year. Uh, never thought I'd ever be mentioning his name in a team of the season at any point in any season, but uh, Aaron Cresswell. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic. I know he's played a lot at centre-back at times as well when you were playing like a five-at-the-back kind of formation, but I know he's played centre-back a lot this season, but he's a natural left-back. Even when he played centre-back, he was kind of covering that left-back spot, allowing Masawaku to move on, so he was doing quite a lot of work. And for me, he's been fantastic. He's got a good amount of assists to his name as well. Really good this season. It's really shocked me. What has uh, made him stand out more than uh, Robertson, who we chose for left-back last season? Just the fact that he's playing for West Ham makes a difference. The fact, like West Ham are not a team that anyone thought would be doing well. And you're, what, fifth? Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're in the top five. And I think Cresswell's had a big part to play with that, with the amount of chances that he's creating. Uh, Robertson... We know how good he is, and we, we kind of expect his creativeness. But like Cresswell, you wouldn't kind of expect it from him, and I think this season he's kind of gone on and pushed to another level, and I think that's why he gets it for me. I mean, that's, that's a great choice as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and we're going, to be going to yeah, the, we'll be going to the other side of defence now, and I'll be choosing the right back. And uh, I mean, I'm kind of feeling a bit of hammers pairing 
for the left back and right back. So I'm sorry for uh, anyone yeah. <laughs> that might might not like this decision, but I've gone for uh, our very own Kufel. Uh, I think he's gone massively under the radar this season. Um, he's got all the assists. He's been defensively rock solid. Um, and I think he's been so important to West Ham. Um, we've been looking for a right back for God knows how many years now. And uh, for him to come in and look like he's been playing in the Premier League for about 10 years, um, I think he's been absolutely insane. See, for me, I couldn't have Kufal. I I nearly did have like Kufal. It was between me. I was like, either Kufal gets in the team or Cresswell gets in the team. Because I, for me, you can't keep Joao Cancelo out. He's been phenomenal this season. He's played right back, left back. He's basically played centre mid at times. He's been phenomenal for Man City, and that's where half of their chances seem to come from. Guys, come on. I mean, you got, you got <laughs> yeah, to be, <laughs> you got to be looking at this Czech Republic international right here over some Man City wannabe Kufal, really. Um, but yeah, I can understand your decision, to be, to be honest. Uh, Cancelo has been uh, incredible for Man City. And um, I mean, like you say, James has been uh, pretty much everywhere in that defence, and uh, he has he has um, done well uh, to um, get Man City where they are. Especially, um, do, do we rule out Kufal to put Cancelo in? I, I think we have to. Your choice. <laughs> oh, well, I'll take the sacrifice, and we're 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 going to go for Cancelo over Kufal. A disgrace, Good. but we'll go with that. <laughs> but we'll go for the heart of defence now with Josh picking this one uh, I don't think we're going to see Ogbonna or uh, Craig Dawson in this one unfortunately but also with the absence <laughs> of Van Dyke from the majority of the season so far who are you picking as the first choice centre back? Um, I've gone for another Man City player in Ruben Diaz I think even though Man City chucks so much money at the centre backs in the summer transfer window he's the one that costed the most came in and he did a, he's done a job and he he looks like he, he looks like he knows how to defend and play Pep's way so I th- and he's he's been phenomenal I think this season as well so yeah without a doubt Ruben Diaz was my number one pick it really angers me to see him doing so well this season based on the fact that Spurs were going to go in from well before Man City were linked and we decided that he cost too much money. Do you, do you think that um, that Stones has got the recognition this season because of the link-up play of Diaz, Josh? Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think he's a, Diaz is more of a leader and, you know, I think he's like, I think Stone, he just partners up well with Stones and Stones works well with him because, like, so speaking of pairings, we're going to be going for the other defender to link up with uh, Man City's Diaz. James, who are you picking? See, the obvious choice would be to say John Stones because of how good their defence is. But I've actually gone down a different route. and I've gone to Southampton for Yannick Vestergaard. Um, now, I know he's he's out injured at the moment. He's missed the last six games. And they have kept three clean sheets in those six. But they're in games that would... Frankly, just neither team looked like they wanted to score a goal anyway. So while he's been in the side, they looked fantastic. They've been really good with him in the team. And I think since he's been gone, you have noticed a difference. I mean, they've they've lost 
their last three games in a row, I think now, and they've started to drop off. But obviously, if he comes back, that could be a huge change for them. And I think he'd fix their defense out straight away because he was being fantastic all season. I was gonna say, yeah, he's almost like a new signing for Southampton. Like Hassan Hootel dropped him out of the team, and like was close to getting rid of him as well. And he's come in and changed, like sorted his game out basically. And yeah, new signing. I think that's a great pick, James. Yeah, I think that's a great pick as well. I think obviously. Uh, like I say, you could have gone for John Stones. Uh, but um, yeah, I think Vestgaard has been way more instrumental to to his side than obviously John Stones has maybe because of Diaz, who you never know. Um, but yeah, Vestgaard, I think, has been... Yeah, I think that's just such a good choice. In our defence, we've got lined up as Asavilla, Martinez and goal. Cresswell on the left-hand side. Cancelo on the right, unfortunately. Diaz in the middle, pairing with Vestgaard. Now, we're going to move on to the midfield, and there's been some really solid displays from midfielders this season. But we'll start with the number one choice, and I'm just going to have to go with the obvious, which is obviously going to be Bruno Fernandes. Um, he's been absolutely unreal. He's got... Um, oh, God, I don't know how many goals and assists he's got, but he's got one the, on the best. Uh, 11 goals and seven assists uh, in the league. He's also got two... Uh, Player of the Month awards, and I mean, it doesn't go unnoticed. We know how good he is. We know how good he's been for the past year, and he's he's going to be, um, he's going straight into that team. Can't argue with that. No, no. <laughs> fantastic player. We're going for a more attacking-minded player as well. Josh, who's joining Bruno in the middle of the park? Well, I was going to pick Bruno Fernandez as my attacking option, but. Uh, so I've gone for someone else, and I'm sure you'll be happy about this, Lewis. But uh, I picked Thomas Suchek for West Ham because okay. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. He's so good. Like everything about his game, like his ability to get in the box and contribute to goals, and you know, it's it's a, like he's just such a threat. And it's yeah, it's just what you want from the middle of the park. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. Um... But that's just me being biased. James, what do you reckon? Personally, I think he's up there. I'd have him in the top five this season, but I wouldn't have him in the top three. I, I think with having him in, in that top three, you're going to have to leave out a player. It's like, we've got Bruno for that so far, who we all, we're definitely all going to agree with. But having Suchek in that middle, I think it's going to remove, for me, the two other best, one of the two other best in either like Grealish or De Bruyne or something. And that, like, I think that would be why I wouldn't put him in. But he'd be like the solid, like, fourth spot that I'd have, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, Grealish and De Bruyne have, I mean, they've arguably have been better than Suchek, as as much as it pains me to say. Um, I'm not yeah. sure could could Grealish fit in the front three formation. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. Um, I think any other season, I'd have said yes, he could. But I think watching where he's played this season, he he's kind of sat back a little bit further this season, definitely in that midfield spot. And I think that's why, for me, I, I couldn't put him in the front three. So with that, who who would you pick as the final spot to go into that midfield? Do you think this season, I'd have to pick Jack Grealish over Kevin De Bruyne? Um, Big statement. Purely because of the what he's given to Aston Villa. Obviously, De Bruyne does a lot, but we saw a very poor Man City side at the start of the season while he was still playing. Um, mm. And for me, that 
the consistency from Jack Grealish that we've seen this season is why he's my third pick. Yeah, I was going to say with the consistency of Grealish this season, it's hard to uh, distinguish his talent compared to De Bruyne's from from that early stage. I mean, De Bruyne wasn't really having a good start to the season either. That Man City team was very poor. And I think uh, when you got De Bruyne, who who was uh, a part of that as well, it, it did create a lot of problems for the team. Uh, whereas Jack Grealish, I mean, he's he's been on it all season. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a move at the end of the season. Uh, Josh, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I agree. Grealish, 100%. De Bruyne didn't start too well. So he's only just started performing recently in like the last three or four games. Like So yeah, uh, hands down, Jack Grealish needs a spot in that midfield. Okay, so a bit of a surprising midfield there then. We've got Bruno, who's less surprising. Uh, we've got West Ham's Suchek and Aston Villa's Jack Grealish. This season has seen so many goals, seeing half a team score more than 30 goals each already this campaign. I decided it was taking our first position on that left-hand side, and I think I'm just going to have to go for uh, who is going to make James very happy, and I'm going to have to go for Hyun Son. Uh, I think he's been uh, outstanding for Tottenham. I mean, the last couple of games, uh, he's, he's gone a bit under the radar, but uh, you can't ignore his 12 goals and six assists. Um the link I'll play between him and Kane this season um, is just, yeah, it's it's bloody good. Um, I think, I don't yeah. know, I, I think I've struggled to uh, pick anyone over him. Uh, I think uh, Mane hasn't hasn't really been good enough. Um, and you said I was mad for saying which, Mane was going to Which, which <laughs> what I was just about to say. Which will make Josh very happy because of what we all thought would be his full <laughs> prediction at the start of the season. I mean, he still hasn't been that bad, but he hasn't been to the standard that we know he can play at. Um, so, Son, yeah, he's just going to have to go into that team. Weirdly, I'm I'm the one that I think I, we had this conversation earlier. Actually, Lewis, I actually disagree, uh, but I think that's because I watch Tottenham all of the time. The one thing that Son has, yes, he scored a lot of goals. I think a lot of that is down to Harry Kane more than him. Uh, the passes that Kane has pulled off to him have just been like a, a standard that we haven't seen in a Spurs side in a long time. And you, you can argue, yes, Son's being clinical. But in every game, there's a very song, strong period where he disappears. Uh, there's been a lot of games where the whole Spurs side haven't had a shot on target after the 20th minute. And you can argue watching us that Son defensively doesn't really offer as much or in the creativity-wise at the moment. Uh, it's it's mainly all through Kane. And for that reason, I'd actually put Harvey Barnes as having a better season than Hyungmin Son. And I hate Harvey Barnes, so that's really hard for me to say. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I did I did think about that, and he, he has been doing quite well for my fantasy, I must say. But uh, regardless, um, I do think that, um, yeah, Harvey Barnes has been having a great season, but we'll put we'll put Sun in there. And uh, James, you can talk about your other striker in a minute. But before we get there, Josh, we need to go to the right side of the pitch now. Uh, who have you gone for? I've gone for probably the obvious choice, even though he's dipped off these past past few games. But um, he, well, he did save save them at the weekend against against you, wasn't it? This I think West Ham scored some beautiful goals, and I've gone for Mo Salah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like 
that man's quality. You just, he performs, and yeah, you just can't deny his talent. It's, he's deserved. He deserves to get into this team of the season so far. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got 15 goals this season. Uh, top scorer of the Premier League. You can't really argue that he's got. Yeah, his goals against West Ham on the weekend were were quality. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's not much more for me to say about about that man. James, you were you were arguing that Harvey Barnes maybe should have been on that left hand side. Do you reckon Salah should be replaced? Without doubt, he's on that right hand side. Um, he's got fi- he's got 15 goals this season. We, it's like we're we're 20 games in. He's he's free clear of anyone else in the league. Yeah, he had a little blip where he didn't do anything, but you could say that, that in that blip, that wasn't really just his fault. The entire Liverpool team looked a bit shaky. And they were all struggling to score goals at that point. So I don't think you can just blame him. But he, he's been fantastic for the most part this season. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. So as we move on from the top goal scorer of the Premier League, could we see the second uh, goal scorer in the Premier League with James? Who are you picking as your striker? Uh, You're going to go for the joint, joint of, a, of a man? Oh, of course I am. He's been absolutely fantastic. 12 goals, 11 assists. Harry Kane has been... I mean, he's carried us on our, on his back. He's not even just doing the attacking work. He's always in the box making that last-minute challenge. He's everywhere. He's all over the pitch doing literally everything for us. If he could play in goal, he would. I wouldn't want to see it because we've seen that before and he was terrible. Everywhere else on the pitch, he's been absolutely fantastic. I don't think I could put any other striker ahead of him this season just because the, the amount that he's done for a Spurs team that is very much underperforming. He's yeah, been fantastic. I, yeah, I fully agree with everything you just said. Um, do you think that uh, Tottenham could be severely damaged by his injury? A hundred percent. We see it every single uh, season around this time as well, actually. I think he just likes to go and watch the Super Bowl live. Because um, it's every, last three, four seasons in a row, he's been off around this time for what a month or two at least. I'm really hoping it's only a few weeks because if it's going to be long term, we're really going to struggle because I think he's had <laughs> he's had 69 shots this season, if I remember correctly. Um, and I'm pretty sure Son was just over half that. And like, yes, we brought in Carlos Vinicius to be a striker, but what I've seen from him hasn't been good enough. I I do think he should be playing more. But when he has played more in the other competitions, he hasn't really shown his worth that often. So it's, it, he's never going to do near as much as Kane. I think it's going to be a big miss for us no matter what happens. So that's our front three completed with Son, Salah and Kane taking the positions. Let's look back on the 11 we've chosen as a half team of the season. So this could change at the end. Uh, but right now, I mean, it's going to take some competition to, for that to happen. So we've got, with our manager, Brendan Rodgers in goal, Aston Villas Martinez, left back, Aaron Cresswell with Cancelo on the right, Diaz and Festgard in the centre-back positions. Moving to the midfield, we've got Bruno Fernandes, Suchek being the surprise package, beating out the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and Jack Grealish to join the two. Up top, we've got Son, Salah and Kane, which is, uh, yeah, you can't argue with any of them, I think. I think the whole team's been fantastic and I think... Uh, with uh, about three or four months to go now, I think it's going to be hard to see that change and we'll see see how that happens at the end of the season. 
Does he look like he's, he's ready, Roy, from what you saw of him in the week? Well, from his performance the other night, he was fantastic. I was sitting at home, I had my cup of tea and a bit of chocolate in front of me, and <laughs> I didn't have the volume on. I was looking at it as the game started, I literally got out of my seat, which I very rarely do. I thought, this guy, who is this kid in midfield? So big fixtures this week, seeing league leaders Manchester City visit title holders Liverpool. Some other notable fixtures are Manchester United hosting Everton and the mid-table clash in Aston Villa's Martinez facing his former employer's Arsenal. Those games aside, we've gone for a game that represents us at the Playing Offside podcast. Thursday's game between Spurs and Chelsea. I think the game's going to be really tight. I think we've still got Chelsea manager Tuchel to uh, prove himself. I'm wondering what tactics he'll go for in this game. And uh, Jose Mourinho, if it's going to be anything like uh, Tottenham played against Brighton, then it's not going to look good for his side. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go for a 2-1 Chelsea win on this one. James, what were you saying? I don't... If if there's no Harry Kane, we're not scoring. I, I just don't see it. So, and how bad our defence was in the last, like, two games... I'm 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 genuinely just going to go for like a four 0 Chelsea. Like I fully can't see us getting anything. We look awful. That is a big statement, Josh. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think uh, it depends what team t- um, Thomas Tuchel puts out for Chelsea. But I think uh, oh, I want to say it's the kind of game that Mourinho would get fired up for because it's against Chelsea and he's now at Spurs and it is. It is a rivalry now because of him, so I would like to go with, and I don't think it's going to be entertaining by any means, but I think it's going to be a 2-1 Spurs. Two goals. So so we've got two Chelsea wins, we've got a 2-1 win from me, a 4-0 Chelsea win from James, which uh, I mean, I'd love to see happen personally, and we've got a 2-1 Spurs win from Josh. That's that for another episode. Thanks again to James and Josh for joining me today. That's that for another episode. Thanks once again to James and, and Josh for joining me today. I've been your host, Lewis. A uh, bit of a weird one, but uh, I've quite quite enjoyed that. Hopefully competing Dino for his place. Anyway, make sure Never. to keep updated with the podcast and latest news by following our socials at playing.offside on Instagram and at playing underscore offside on Twitter. Till next time, have a great week. And they're here. I wouldn't even let them on the bus after the match. I get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> it's a fact. I'm not playing mind games. I'm talking about facts. He can't take it, can he? He can't take it. He just can't take it. <laughs>